0: okay last one and uh i i decided not to stand and have like a um a music stand in front of me and have sort of a traditional sermon vibe so if it gets distracting behind me with riggins running around just kind of go with it hope it doesn't distract you no they can't it's all good if they could see him it would be amazing um and ivy's like right here hanging out reading so John 1, Matthew 5, um, and guys, I'm, I'm just proud of you guys for persevering this semester. I've told uh, some of you guys that today. Um, God was at work in you and through you this semester, and uh, let's look at God's Word together. So I as I've been enjoying these long days where we just have more sunlight, uh, I love that. That's one of the, my favorite things about the warmer months and usually if I get up on time, that's a big if now in quarantine. Uh, I'm a morning person, but uh, getting up on time for some reason during COVID-19, I'm sure I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone in this crew. It's hard to get up. But if I do get on, get up on time, uh, by the time I finish my first cup of coffee, the sun is rising and I see it and it's great. And I sit in this chair. Yeah, that chair right there. You can't see the whole thing. And I look out that window, and the sun is coming up. It's great. And uh, as I've been thinking about this, especially during these long days, I've been appreciating sunrises more. And a couple things about sunrises, and the first one is this. I think sunrises, to me, they they communicate newness, obviously. Um, It's a new day, new possibilities for the Christian. It's new mercy in Jesus, new... um, new possibilities of the spirit to bear fruit in your life. Um, fresh eggs, um, hot coffee, bacon, all the rest. It's new. It's also hopeful. I think that sunsets or sun, sunrises, um, scream like hope. Um, the sins and the shame of yesterday and the darkness of it is left in the dark. And it's, it's, it's yesterday. It's last night. Uh, sunrises with its newness also comes hope. There's all kinds of things that could happen today Um, and the spirits at work, not only in our breakfast and hot coffee, but who knows what's going to happen. It's new and it's hopeful. And what we're going to talk about, what we're going to talk about as we end the semester is light and what light means in the Bible, because light in the Bible, it's everywhere. Light is everywhere, and it's important in the Bible because Jesus calls Himself, and what we're going to see, He calls Himself the Light of the World. Light is a big deal. That Jesus, the Light of the World, comes and invades and overcomes the darkness of the world and sin and death. This is what He came to do, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about Jesus as the Light of the World, and actually, what it means to in uh, to encounter Jesus as the Light of the World. And then what does it mean for us to bear witness to that light? That's what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to start in John 1, and I'm going to read John 1, 1 through 9, and then I'm going to read Matthew five thirteen through 16, and I'll remind you as we get there. But friends, it's God's word. He's spoken to us not to give us a theology exam to ace or book of rules to follow. He's spoken to you and to me because he loves us. This is God's word. In the beginning, this is John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, uh, and the word was God. And in him, I actually got cut off here in my text. I'm going to have to turn to my actual Bible. Hold on a second. When I copied and pasted it to my... My sermon text, it actually skipped from like verse one all the way to verse four. Give me a second. I'm going to start over. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from John from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but became, but came to bear witness about the light. the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Now skip over to matthew five matthew five thirteen to sixteen and this is right after Jesus. Goes on his um, his introduction into the sermon on the sermon on the sermon on the mount and the beatitudes. This is how he finishes that part. You, meaning the people of God, are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse fourteen. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray as we look at it. God, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for speaking. We do ask that you'd slow us down, that we would see wonderful things in your word, that we would hear it, receive it, believe it, and that we would actually do it. And that in the process that Jesus would be made much of, that we would love him more and love each other more, and that would become like him in the process. And we ask that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Two points as, as usual. And the first one is this. Encountering the word, or not the word, encountering the light and then bearing witness to the light encountering the light, and then bearing witness to the light. Let's do the first one. So for the Apostle John who wrote this, who also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation, darkness and light are profoundly important. You know, if you think of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a lot of similarities. But John is kind of his own, he has his own vibe. And one of the reasons is he's kind of a poet, He loves, John loves using images. The word was made flesh, light and dark. He's very poetic in the way that he talks about who Jesus was, who he is, what he came to do and what he's going to do in the future. And if you look at verse 1, And what we read here, the first words in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And when I read those words in the beginning in John 1, if your mind went to the first chapters of the way that the Bible starts in Genesis, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. If your mind went there, you're on the right track. John is doing that. On purpose. And what he's saying is, he wants us to know that at the beginning of all things, there was nothing. It was dark. And Jesus spoke, and the sun came up for the first time. Can you imagine what that first sunrise was like? Jesus speaks in the dark, and stuff happens. The light shines in the darkness for the first time. Only Jesus, the light of the world, creates out of nothing. We create all kinds of things. Only Jesus, the Word who is in the beginning with God, who is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creates out of nothing, out of the dark. And that's what he did in creation. He continues to create now. Jesus and his creative Word and power is powerful Now, just as powerful as it was in the beginning. Jesus, friends, you might know this and experience this. Jesus is very much in the business of invading the darkness of our cities, restoring broken relationships, raising dead hearts to life and resurrection by his spirit. He sparks light out of hopeless seasons of depression and doubt. He's still creating in the dark. When Jesus speaks in the darkness, stuff happens. So the light, Jesus, the light of the world creates light in the darkness. And John wants us to know that. So y'all know I'm watching the office again. I've told you this Uh, during quarantine. I think this is the third time through and uh, it's as, it's as good as ever. And, uh, One of my favorite parts i think i'm appreciating this more and more this time around is michael's um, relationship and as he falls in love with holly holly flack i love this part of the story and i'll I'll leave it at that i won't tell you what happens but if you've seen you know what happens with them if you've seen the show you know that holly coming into michael's life is very important on a number of levels but Here's what we know up to this point in Michael's dating relationships. It's dark. Michael's love interests don't end well. Up to this point, they just don't. Think about um, uh, where Jan Levinson. Do we remember her? Uh, utter chaos. Let's just say I don't know if it gets any darker <laughs> than the the date, uh, the the dinner party from hell. I think that uh, episode is called. It doesn't get any dark any more dark than, than Michael's dating relationship. And so by Holly shows up at Dunder Mifflin and there's not much hope left for Michael and his dating relationships. It's dark. And so Holly being patient with him, Holly laughing at Michael's jokes, them just having a vibe and a connection. It's all very surprising. Because light is coming out of the darkness. This is what happens, and it's like amazing when no matter how how you feel about Michael, it is, is celebratory in the show. And it should be because it's utterly surprising because it's like this guy is so utterly unlovable. When it comes out of nowhere, it's surprising. It comes out of the dark, it comes out of nowhere. And when Jesus moves into the darkness and creates newness and life, it is utterly new and surprising and hopeful, and only he does it in creation and in your life and in mine now. He creates out of nothing, utterly surprising. It's what he's always been up to, and it's what he's, he's up to now. So the first thing John wants us to know about the light is that it creates. The second thing he wants us to know is that it conquers. The light, Jesus Christ, it doesn't just create out of the darkness. It actually conquers darkness. It conquers darkness. In John uh, 1 verse 3, it says this, All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, here it is, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So why did, the, why did the light even need to come into the darkness? Why was this even necessary? Why did God need to take on flesh and move into the neighborhood and dwell among, dwell among us? Why, did this, why is this even necessary? Well, guys, you know, since we're talking about Genesis in the beginning, that's Genesis 1 and 2. When we get to chapter 3 of Genesis, we see that sin enters the picture and nothing is ever the same. It spreads everywhere. And nothing has ever been the same and life has never been experienced the way that it should have been lived and experienced. And every square inch of creation and every square inch of your life and your heart and your mind has been poisoned by sin and its effects. Sin and death have us in chains since, uh, since, Gen- since, since Genesis 3. That's what we read. In other words, it really is that dark. That Jesus had to do this. So, what did he do? John knew this all too well that it was this dark for us and for creation, that our only hope was the light of Jesus Christ to actually invade the darkness. Why? Why does light have to come from the outside? Because we can't do it in here. We're no match for the darkness. We're no match. We can't break out of the prison of sin and death in and of ourselves. And so Jesus, God himself, comes in and invades it himself and conquers it because only he has the power. The same creating word and light that spoke the world into existence and spoke into the darkness, spoke and acted and died and rose and defeated the darkness. This is what... We see in the life of Jesus. He comes down into the darkness, invades every corner of the darkness, actually takes upon the darkness upon himself on the cross and destroys uh, death itself in the light of his resurrection. That's what we have just celebrated in the life of the church on Easter Day. So he goes into the depths of the darkness and it fell upon him at the cross and it didn't get any darker for Jesus. Jesus was pinned up on a cross, a state-sponsored execution, pinned up like an insect for all to see. It doesn't get any darker. But here's the deal with Jesus, the light of the world, because the darkness can never overcome the light. The darkness never had a chance with Jesus. Even when it was really quiet on Saturday before Sunday, Didn't have a chance. Jesus didn't just move in and create out of the darkness. He actually moved in to conquer it. John wants us to know that. So the light creates and the light conquers. Now let's ask this question as we move to point two. What does it mean for you and for me to encounter the light? To encounter the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Let's go to point two. Bearing witness to the light. Bearing witness to the light. That's what happens. When you encounter the light of the world, Jesus Christ, you live a life with your words and your actions and word and deed that bear witness to the light. Jesus, in his own words, right after the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Matthew five fourteen. Here we go. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Let your light shine before others, that they'll actually see your good works and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. And so what we see, Jesus in his own words, he's saying, look, bearing witness to the light means you point others with your words and actions away from yourself. You point others away from yourself. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the light of the world. If you're going to follow me, I want you to live your life in a certain way to give off a certain kind of vibe. I don't want you to live lives uh, that are flashy in this flashy, narcissistic way that seeks attention. Don't do that because that's not my way. That's what Jesus is saying. Notice that Jesus was always getting attention off of him, even as he was seeking glory. It's all about his father. Jesus is saying, I want your words and actions out in the dark world to have a distinct brightness to it. In other words, we might paraphrase what Jesus is saying. He's like, I I actually, I want to shine through your life. And so when people hear you speak, I want them to hear my words and your words. When you make decisions, the world should see my desires and my longings and my priorities and your priorities and longings and decisions. When you treat others with gentleness and patience, the world should see my graciousness and my patience and my gentleness. I should shine through you as my people if you've really truly encountered me. Because once you've encountered Jesus, you live a life that points to him. You bear witness to the light. You live a life with the intention of pointing the world who is in the darkness and very needy and in need desperately of encountering this light just like you and I were. You point others to him. And, and look, this is what John the Baptist, not the Apostle John, but John the Baptist uh, lived when he came on the scene. He says basically, look, I'm not the light. I only, I, My only deal here is to bear witness to the light. And I'm not even worthy to like untie his sandals, wash his feet. However, he says it. The point isn't me. I have a message just to get the attention off me. That's John the Baptist, and Jesus is saying, "Look, he's on the right track." Think about the last time you saw a, a good movie that that struck you, or a TV show that struck you, or think about a concert that you saw and the musicians put. An incredible show that you can't forget what happens after you have encountered this movie this show this concert what happens after you get home and you finish the show or you are on their way home from the movie theater pre-covid-19 and along with the concerts and you what do you do you get you you look up the trailer of the movie and you send it to somebody who said you've got to see this Look, I saw the show last night. I've never like people have been telling me to go see this band. I finally saw them. You've got to go see them. Here's their latest album. You've got to hear this. Look, I've I've watched The Office and Friday Night Lights seventy five times. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. What ha- so this is. In other words, when you have have come into contact with this kind of greatness and brightness in the darkness, there's no going back. There's no going back. Like, you can't help but say with your life, you've got to see this. You've got to hear this. I've been changed, and there's no going back with me. You've got to see it. This is what happens when you encounter the light. So uh, another TV show, and I'm going to land the plane and talk to the seniors for a second. True Detective season one. I'm not going to – I really want to spoil this show, but it's too good to. um, I'm not going to, but I'll just say this. The last – one of the last uh, episodes – it's the last episode. I won't tell you what happens with it. But Matthew McConaughey, the main character, um, he's a detective, and he's – chasing down a murderer, trying to catch him. And it's really dark. It's one of the darkest shows I've ever seen. And at the end, and this isn't a spoiler, it's just, um, (laughs) I love it too, Chris. Um, I was like, when is Chris Purdy gonna give me affirmation about this show? Y'all should watch, it's very, very dark. I don't know with a clear conscience if I can even say watch the show as a pastor, but very, very dark at the end of the show. Russ Cole, the main character, Matthew McConaughey says, look, there was a time, when all there was, was the darkness. But if you ask me, the light's winning. The light's winning. And this this man, this detective, encounters light and newness and resurrection in this dark show, in his dark life, and he was changed by it. And he is so cynical the whole show. It's a miracle that he says something like this. When you come into contact with the light of the world, Jesus Christ, there's no going back. Now, what I don't mean is that there's no going back to sin and now you're going to live this perfectly sinless life. That's not what I mean. The people of God all over the Bible and in my life, I hope that you've seen bearing witness to the light is not doing it perfectly at all. It's actually saying, look, I've needy and I've met my remedy in Jesus Christ. You've got to come see. It's the phrase like, look, Christianity is all about um, telling others, telling, you know, one beggar, telling a bunch of beggars where to find bread. Right? That's bearing witness to the light. It's not perfectionism. But there's no going back. That's what the Bible says about light. I'm going to talk to the seniors for a second then I'm going to pray. Uh, Each year I've tried to uh, end the semester talking to the seniors and, uh, you know, uh, it'll, it's always hard for me to do this. Um, I just want to say two things and I'll probably say this every year. This is certainly by way of like application, but I will say when you encounter the light of Jesus Christ, these two things definitely happen. They might not necessarily be in our passages but you've got to chew on this as you go into new cities and new towns. And the first one is this, root yourself in the local church. Root yourself in the local church. RUF is not the local church and whatever other campus ministry that you visited or you're interested in during your time at Wofford is not the local church. We resemble the local church. We do a lot of Bible and churchy things. We're not the local church. We're an extension of the local church. And here's the deal. You will not take RUF with you after you graduate. You won't. That is just the truth. RUF does not endure. The church endures. The church endures. The light, like part of what it means for the light, not like the darkness, not overcoming the light and um, the light of Jesus Christ always shining until new heavens, new earth. Is that the church endures through it all? So root yourself in the local church. And a couple reasons, uh, a couple reasons why you need older people. You need old ladies. You need old men. You need old wow. married couples. When you just got married. It's a lot of people yelling outside of my house right now. Um, When you get married and you're newlyweds, you're trying to figure it out. You need old married couples to talk about what it means to forgive each other. Like you need, you need that. Um, Guys, I'm very distracted. Is everything good, Ivy? I can't tell. You know where people are? What? Do you see anyone? I can't really see out the window. It's kind of scary, guys. Close the window. Um so yeah, you need like when you get married and you're newlyweds, you need older couples to talk about forgiveness. And uh middle school girls uh are gonna need you to walk through them awkward year their awkward years of middle school. They're gonna need your voice. Um the local church needs you. And um, and, the lo- and you need the local church, older people, younger people. And the sec- so the- embrace the local church, root yourself there. And um, so the first thing that you do when you move into your new town, Charlotte, Charleston, Atlanta, Memphis, these are some places I know you're moving. When you get there that first weekend, when you move in, I said this last year to the seniors graduating, the first thing that I want you to do I hope that my voice here is haunting you when you move in. Is not to look up the like closest like taco place to go, the first, the closest the co- closest coffee shops. I want you to google churches. And I want you to go try a church that first Sunday. Don't wait. Do not wait. And don't stop. So first root yourself in the local church. Second thing is this. Do not move on from the gospel. Do not move on from the good news of Jesus. Refuse to, like, get bored with the gospel. We talk a lot, and seniors, y'all, like, you've been with me for three years. And I have relentlessly over and over and over have been talking about the grace of Jesus Christ In the gospel, that our relationship with God is rooted not in our performance, not in our status, not in our GPA, not in our sins, not in our accomplishments. It's in faith alone in Jesus Christ, not works, not obedience. That's the simple good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done. Do not get bored with it, please. Keep your heart soft to the good news of the gospel. Refuse to get bored with it. And where do you hear the good news of Jesus goes back to point one of application. The local church preached and the preaching of God's word and made visible in the sacraments. Um, and the spirit will wake you up over and over again to the good news of the gospel that it's actually sweet So refuse to get bored. Um, thirdly and lastly, and and I'm going to pray and be done. Um. Abide in Jesus, and here's what I mean. In John 15, Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. You'll, your fruit will spread out all over the world, etc." I've said this to you all before, if you remember, probably don't, but let me remind you. We don't use the language of abide anymore. One commentator just says this, abide with me, Jesus is essentially saying, make your home with me. Make your home with me. I want the most fundamental thing about your life is not your job. It's not your friend group. It's not your social, it's not your status. It's that my home is with Jesus, is who I am. Because your home says everything about you, where you came from. Like to be a Patrick means something, for better or for worse. Make your home with Jesus. It's who you are. I hope you can just hear that. I hope you can hear that in the chaos of all of what graduation is going to mean in the next few weeks. I hope you can hear that as you move into new towns. Make your home with Jesus. Um, And I'm proud of you for getting through your senior year, especially over the past couple of months. Um, Let me pray.